Good morning, Renew Church. Hey, it's such a privilege for uh, Jane and I to be with you. And uh, I've got to say, Simon, I, I just uh, love you guys and uh, love hanging out with you and uh, looking really forward to, to meeting the people that make Renew Church happen. Uh, you can't have a, a church without great leaders, but behind every leaders, there is an amazing team of people. And I saw you all working this morning from the car park to the coffee station to the, the people on the welcoming team, the prayer team. And I'm going, wow, this is a house that knows how to work together. Um, so let us uh, just, I'm going to ask Jane just to share a little bit about um, a journey that we've been on, uh, because I think maybe our story may be applicable to some of you here today. And uh, we weren't able to have children, uh, but God's grace allowed us to adopt. And so uh, 26 odd years ago, we adopted uh, a couple of boys. So without, I think that's it. I'll get you taught one. Uh, yeah, it always makes my heart flutter. Um, the three guys I love the most. <laughs> um, Josh and the yellow and John, Joshua and Jonathan. And they're twin boys, and they'll be 26 on December 31st. And their journey and their story is a type. And no, no, Josh said to me the other day, his work colleague said, I've been working with them for over a year. He said, Are you not Māori? He said, No. <laughs> uh, but um, as I often remind the boys, I had a little list. <clears throat> I had a little list of things I wanted. <clears throat> um, I just said to the Lord, You know, um, Andrew's family have got a lot of Italian heritage and there's a lot of olive skin and I knew I was not and so I'd said to the Lord on my list was olive skin. <laughs> my boys have got olive skin and their birth family are very, very, very fair like me. So um, that is God. Um, but anyway, um, this morning, the part of the journey that I wanted to share briefly is that we have been blessed with our children and uh, as parents, um, there's no greater joy is there. And I remember a friend saying to us before we had children, we'd been married for 14 years. And we'd got to a place where I didn't know what was going wrong with my world. And he just came around one night and I was in tears. And he said, you need children. You need, I don't know how you get them, but you need them. <laughs> and that started the following day. He said, I don't know, adopt them or whatever. And uh, we've been through this journey, and, and long story short, that's what started the journey. And, and there's nothing more joyous than having our, our boys. But it hasn't been an easy road. It has not been an easy road, not for them and not for us. But I can stand here today and say how blessed we are because we all love each other so much. And, um, but they, are, they have uh, obviously grown up. Um, Mum and Dad were pastors when they came into the world. And uh, mum and dad, 33 years later, are still in this, uh, pastoring the same church. And, um, but they now both live in Tauranga. But they have, at a young age, quite a young age, chose to walk away from the Lord. And one of them saying to me, mum, I don't even know if, if God's real. And um, so we just continue to pray for them. And they continue to walk in the world. And they've, you know, they've, you know, you reap the consequences as well, and there's been many of those. But I can confidently say to you today, and I want to share with you, it's a journey as pastors, obviously, when your children aren't walking with the Lord. It's not in their best interest. It's not what you think it's going to be. It's not the desire of your heart. It's not what you, as you read in the Word, but as the Word says, when they are older, they will not depart from it. And I can honestly say this year has been such a significant year. They are still in their own zone, but they have moved so far. The son who said, I don't believe in God, had an encounter with God this year. He had such an encounter with God, he was off work. And do you know what? The change in him was so significant in that divine encounter. He, he experienced God. He now says, I know God is real. I have no doubt God is real. He met with him. And he had the week off work because he was so, or the day off work, we talked to him. And when he went back to work, he has a new colleague next to him. He'd been working with him for a while. He's apparently an atheist. He's the most ultimate guy, but just doesn't believe in Jesus. 
He even said to him, because as he walked down, he said, well, the guy, he said, the, the John without Jesus, I sure like the John with Jesus a whole lot better. <laughs> so that is the sum of the witness that our boys bear. We know that they are a powerful force. They have always been known for who they are. And as twins um, and being identical, that is also um, another thing that sort of makes them a, a known entity. And so they will make great witnesses for Jesus. I have no doubt whatsoever. But they are both coming towards the Lord. And I encourage you today that if you in any way have that sense that your children are not walking with the Lord, be encouraged because he is drawing his people home. He's drawing his loved ones. He's drawing our children. And you'll hear more from that from Andrew this morning. I want to share a message uh, with you this morning that I believe is a message that will resonate with your heart today. About three weeks prior to the election, I was crying out to God in my prayer time. The media were predicting there would be a change of government, but in my heart, I wasn't particularly uh, excited uh, about the way things were going because to me, it didn't matter if we had a change of government. The things that mattered to me as a believer probably weren't going to change. We weren't going to see moral change in our society. We weren't going to see Christianity, you know, lifted up and honoured by any government that I saw. And, and I was just thinking, God, what's the point? With the, the colour can change, but the world isn't going to change. And I was crying out to God. And I had one of those moments, and I don't know if you have these. I don't have them very often, but everything kind of fades out. And that still small voice just speaks into your heart. And I knew God was speaking. I didn't plan to say this this morning because I feel really weird about sharing those kind of moments because one thing, uh, I could be saying anything and you might not believe it. And, and two, it's really personal. Um, so I'm going to be vulnerable this morning and share what I believe God said to me. I've done it in my church and they love me still, so that's all right. But I'm here with you and I don't know how you're going to react. But I felt I heard God say, indeed, Andrew, there will be a change, a great swing on that election day. Don't worry about how the government is made up, for you need to know that at this time, I have ordered change for this nation. I will pour out my spirit on this nation. It will be a day when the windows of heaven open, and I will once again move across Aotearoa, New Zealand, for it is my nation. I felt God say this, and I felt like, have I just been like a prophet of old who have heard the voice of God. And then the challenge came to me, you've got to now declare that. One thing to hear what you think is the voice of God, but then like every prophet, you have to run the test and say, well, will you actually say it? Will you declare it? And so I'm going to declare it because when this message, you hear this message this morning, it's a message you can just, oh, that's, that's pretty, that's nice. Or you can embrace it. And you can proclaim it. You see, the word of God is not just something that we receive for ourselves because we were meant to be vessels of proclamation. The word of God comes to us to change us so that we can amplify and share it. That's how the gospel goes out. And so the word that I give you this morning, I don't want you just to be blessed by it. I want you to proclaim it. I want you to live it. I want you to be the ambassador of this word this morning. So if that resonates with you this morning and you're on board, give me an amen. amen. Okay, we're, we're away. Let me tell you what I have been preaching at home for a while and what I believe truly when I, this prior to, to this word that I heard from God, I'd, I'd got really uh, revolutionized, if you like, Jesus Revolution movie came through New Zealand and and uh, we heard about it before it came. I got really into promoting it for our city. In fact, the movie wasn't coming to Rotorua, and we, we booked it and ordered it and made it happen and sold tickets. And then we had such a, a sellout with that, the movie theatre ran it for three weeks. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it was just phenomenal to see the name of Jesus up in lights. The crazy thing for me was I knew about that Jesus movement back in the early 1970s in California. In fact, the Jesus movement became the charismatic move in New Zealand. 
which is how I got born again and how my family got saved. So we were well aware of what God was doing with hippies and how everything was happening. And we saw hippies in New Zealand come to Christ in our church. And so we were like, wow, that's like the old days. And here's the thing. There's something powerful when you go back to an important time in your life and you begin to redig that well. Name of our church is Living Well because God gave me uh, a word before we ever planted that church from Genesis 26 about redigging the wells of our father Abraham. Isaac redug those wells. So I said, man, I've got to redig this own well of mine. Back from the 1970s, I was born again in 1974. So I've been a Christian a while. I was 13 years old. I'll, I'll, I'll skip the maths. I'll be 33 days, I'll be 62. Yeah, you laugh. <laughs> I believe, just as we witnessed in that movie, so many people coming to Christ, so many people coming back to God, that we in Aotearoa, New Zealand, we deserved and we need and we want a homecoming season where the believer who once was on fire for God gets on fire again for God. When the person that had an encounter with God was, was moving powerfully for God, but somehow things happened in life and they drifted away. They might still be in church, but how many people know you can be in the same place but not in the same space? Comes back to a place where they're on fire for Jesus again. We began to declare a homecoming season in our church, and I want to tell you, our year has just gone off as people, some of them 30 years out of church, have been coming back to God supernaturally, sovereignly. But we did some things in our church that just have taken off. Can I share them with you this morning? We empowered our people to do two things. You see, a couple of questions that, actually, this is from one of our elders. It didn't come from me, but he started this, and it was working. And so he said, you know, when we meet people out in the community who used to be in church, we should have the boldness to actually ask them, have you ever thought about coming back? And we discovered something really powerful. Over 90% of the people that we asked that question to said, yes, I have. Do you know how encouraging it is when you go to share with somebody and, and, and you ask the first question and, and, and they say yes? It's just like, wow, we're, we're all, God is here. The second question we ask our people to say is, we would love to see you you would be most welcome. And here's the principle. You'll find this in the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The father didn't wait for the son to come through the doors to welcome him. And church, this is where we have to move because we are waiting for people to walk through our doors and they will not, but they want to come back. Did you know that? They want to come back but because they left, the enemy has filled their hearts and their lives with lies. And they think, they won't want me back. I can't go back. But they want to go back. But if we would meet them in Pack and Save or in Countdown or in Kmart or in Bunnings or at the Z petrol station or Mobile or wherever you find yourself bumping into people who used to be in church, when you bump into them, would you have the courage, church, to say, hey, great to see you? you ever thought about coming back to church? And if they say yes to you, would you say this? We would love to see you back at Renew. You would be most welcome. Because then you've extended the welcome that the Father has for His sons and daughters beyond the gate of your church. You've gone into the community and you've begun to roll out the welcome mat because this is what God is saying to our nation at the moment that He has called for a homecoming season in Aotearoa, New Zealand, that every church needs to be filled with people that once walked away from God because this is their homecoming season and we need to be proclaimers that this is our, in Renew Church, our homecoming season season. This is our homecoming season, church. Would you get on board with me this morning and believe that God wants to do something powerful in your community? Because He wants to roll out the welcome mat. I walked into Mitre 10 when I was preaching this and they had welcome mats that said welcome and home. And I bought a couple and I held them up at church and said, these need to be at your house. These need to be at the doorway of our house. We need to put it up on the screen. Welcome home so that when people do walk through the door, they understand they have come home. They have come home. 
And just like you're on a journey to be part of a family, there are so many people in your community that are on a journey to come home. Sorry, I I get a bit excited. I'm I'm the peacock personality. (laughs) Christy understands that. We're like vibing. All right, enough intro. Let's start. Are you ready? I can't. I've got to say something more. You know, homecoming is not just about the lost coming home. It's not just about the disconnected coming home. Let me tell you, it's about the person in the church who needs to come home. Because many of us, and some of you may have been here a long time, and you had moments of God where you were on fire. And you need to come home. Because fire was never meant to be something that dissipates in our life. Fire means... It's meant to be perpetual. In the, in the Old Testament picture, that the priest's job was to keep the fire stoked. And we need to understand, we are now the priests, right? And our job is we've got to keep the fire stoked. We've got to keep on fire. All right, that's enough. Okay. You're with me, aren't you? All right. Turn with me to the book of Kings, chapter 8, verses 1 to 6. I want to talk about a homecoming this morning, but for there to be a homecoming... You also need to understand there's previously been a home leaving. Yeah, I said it. I'm talking about homecoming, but for there to be a homecoming, there has to be previous to this a home leaving. Someone has left home. We found this with our children. They walked away from God. Then they left home physically. For them to come home, they first had to leave. How many thousands of people in Whangarei have walked out of churches? Thousands, right? I, I had this picture that if I counted up the number of people who left our church over 33 years and I multiplied that by just a number of churches that I know in this nation, there are 100,000 wandering believers in New Zealand. Just do the maths. There's a lot of churches. If you take the percentage that I've experienced have left our church... We'd be a church well over a thousand people if they all stayed. How many have left Renew Church? How many have left Elam, Church Unlimited, C3, Bethel, you name it, right across? They don't all walk into other churches, by the way. They go into the wilderness. Or they just get out of church life altogether. Not God's intention. God's heart is to them to be a family. You need to understand that. So here's a story about a home leaving and a homecoming. In 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 to 6, it says, Then Elisha spoke to the Shunammite woman, whose son he had restored to life. And he said to her, Arise and leave. You and your household, stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for how many years? Seven years. So the woman arose he, and did according to the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household, and she dwelt in the land of the Philistines for seven years. That would not have been a comfortable journey, by the way. It came to pass that at the end of the seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Why? Because when she came back home, someone else was living in her house. When she came back home, someone else had been farming her land during a time of famine. She had overstayers coming and camping. And when she knocked on the door and said, what are you doing here? They said, we live here. She said, no, this is my house. She said, too bad, you left. We're taken over. Well, there's a thought right there. How often do we just leave something behind and the devil says, I'll come and occupy that. I'll come and take over that. And we want to get it back and then we've got to find ourselves in a conflict. And it came to pass... (coughs) that she went to make her appeal to the king for her house and for her land. And it happened that the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, please tell me all the great things Elisha has done. And it happened that as he was telling the king how Elisha had restored to, uh, to life the dead child, that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, oh my lord, oh king, this is the woman. The very woman that I'm talking about, this is her with her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And the king asked the woman, and she told him, 
And so the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers, and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. What a great homecoming story, where it all works out good in the end, right? But how many of you know that your homecoming story might not be as cool as that? That along your homecoming journey, there's more than just loss and pain at stake. She goes to the king because someone's living in her house, someone's occupying her land and farming it, and she wants to get back what she left. And my first point this morning is this, that when you leave something, you lose something. When you leave something, you lose something. When you leave a job, or maybe you leave a house or a neighborhood, maybe it's a church, maybe you even leave a town or a city, but whatever you leave, did you know that when you leave something, you lose something? When people think about leaving, they don't generally weigh up what they're losing. They only weigh up what they're gaining, right? They only look at what they appear to be gaining. Maybe more money, maybe better opportunity, maybe a bigger house or a nicer area, maybe a bigger boat. Leaving anything will mean some measure of loss. Have you thought about that? Whenever you leave something, you will lose something. You may think when you leave your job, you won't lose something. But there will be something about your old job that you lose. Probably the community of friends that you have as workmates. Or something about that environment you never thought was cool until you didn't have it anymore. You can't leave a city or town without losing, losing something. You can't leave a relationship church without losing something. And you certainly can't leave a church without losing something. You can't leave healthy living or moral living without losing something. You can't leave fellowship without losing something. You can't leave the word of God without losing something. You can't leave prayer and not lose something. Say this one because we're a Pentecostal church, right? You can't leave tongues or the gifts of the Spirit. And not lose something. You can't leave giving and tithing. Come on, church, and not lose something. So, when you leave something, what's the principle? You're gonna lose something. Great, you've got that one. How many people, this is a vulnerable moment, tell you my TV life. Jane and I love. That, uh, what's the program called? Love It or List It, what's it called? That's it, Love It or List It. The Australian one with uh, Neil Whitaker and Andrew, what's his name? Winters. Oh, we just love the humour and the banter and everything. But the premise of this show is they take a couple who, who uh, generally one of them wants to leave the house and the other one wants to keep the house but do it up, right? If you know the show, they do up the house and, they, and then the real estate agent shows them all the wonderful properties they could go to and they fall in love with all these other properties and then ultimately, generally, rule of thumb, they come back and they ask the question, are you going to love it or are you going to list it? <laughs> and blow me down, I always think they're going to leave and they go, we are going to love it. Wow. You know? And it dawned on me that the reason they often choose to love it is because they've thought through it's not just about what they gain. It's about what they'll lose in the terms of their community, in the terms of the people in their streets, in the terms of all the great things about where they live outweigh the glitz and the glamour of what they've been shown. And I think that's something that we need to understand sometimes, church, is that we've got to be people that say, no, nah, we choose to love it. We choose to love our church whanau. We choose to love our community where God has placed us because we know that if we leave, we're going to lose something. You don't know that show? I just got the whole, I just lost everybody. You obviously don't watch TV in this church. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, get back to the Word of God. Yeah, yeah. 
just where I come from, my, my, we're a TV-watching church, so it <laughs> works every time. Number two, there is only ever one right reason to leave, and that is when God directs you. Did you hear that? I'm surprised at how many people don't do this, but they actually don't ask God if it's okay to leave. This woman had a word from God to leave, right? And she obeyed God's word, always intending to come back. She wasn't on a quest to find a new life in Philistia, by the coast, by the beach, now a war zone. That's another story. But the only time that we should go, that we should leave, anything, is if we've actually got a word from God. Because if God says go, then I have confidence that just like in the story, that there will be a restoration of everything that I lose when I've been obedient to God. But if I go in my own strength, I also know that I risk everything. If I haven't weighed up, what I'm losing when I go. I don't have the confidence to go to God and say, can you restore everything that I lost when it was my own decision to go? When I never inquired of you, was it right to go? A few years ago, we got a phone call. Jane had uh, been looking for a job. And a phone rang and it was a guy in our church and he said, hey, you were... You were talking about maybe a change of job. I've got a position going. He owned a real estate company and they needed a rental manager person. And so uh, they offered her this job which had great money, company car. And because he was a Christian, I just said, God's in this. Go for it. I never inquired whether it was right. And off Jane went, finishing up her her long tenure, I think 10 years at the DHB. Uh, We never figured in what she'd lose when she left after 10 years. She lost a lot. Let me tell you, there was all this accrued stuff we never knew was just about to be paid out to us that we lost. And she goes to work for this company, and and within three weeks, she's telling me, I think I made a bad decision. Because this job is way more intense and demanding than the hours it's supposed to be done in. And she was getting up and going to work super early and coming home super late and stressed. And it was just not working. And she was in tears. And by week seven, she'd resigned. (coughs) More money, company car, looked great on paper. Disaster. Not your story, is it? (laughs) Any of you made decisions like that? Disaster. And you know what? She started to recall all the things she'd left behind at her old job. And so we just said, well, why don't you go back and knock on the door? And she went back, knocked on the door, and they all said, well, we can give you some casual work. Maybe something will come up. And they did graciously give her casual work. <coughs> and she worked casually until she got a, a permanent contract again. But it was like, wow, we really went backwards in that move. Now, through the faithfulness of God, she's got a new job, which is just like a dream job that God has opened up the way for her to serve uh, with her pastoral care in the hospital. So she's an administrator in the children's ward, and it's just been the most greatest blessing. But the lesson that we learned from that is that there is only ever one right way to leave, and that's when you got direction from God. Because if we'd have asked God, God would have said, don't do it. Don't go. I've got a plan for you. Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, and he said, the voice of God said, arise and go. You and your household, you can stay wherever you want to, for the Lord has called for a famine. In other words, God is saying, where your land is right now, you're going to suffer, but if you can move out of here, I'll be with you, I'll go with you, and there will be a season after seven years that you can come back. And so that's the direction of the Lord, right? But I find this. Most people, when they leave, one, they don't ask God about it. But secondly, they will jump just because a door opens. 
Have you ever noticed this? An opportunity comes up. Boom, must be God. I'll go, did they inquire? No, it was just an open door. A guy in our church, he um, <coughs> lost his job. The first opportunity that came up was in Auckland. So we jumped at that opportunity. Turned out to be the worst decision of their lives. And I happened to be going to Auckland and <coughs> to pick up something. And, I, and we were driving around the area called Westgate. There was a new shopping centre being built. And we're walking down the, driving down the road. It's a hot, hot day. And I see him walking on the footpath. And I pull up. And he goes, wow, we've just been praying about returning to Rotorua. And you've just turned up. I said, that's God. And I wanted to say, you were never meant to leave. <laughs> that's what the pastor of me wanted to say, yeah. Because the opportunity came up, so you just barged through it. It was a disaster. They couldn't buy a house in Auckland. Nothing worked out for them in Auckland. And they were like, oh, we just want to come back home. They came back to Rotorua. They got a job. They bought a house. And they're in the church today. Tough lesson, but they will tell you, that they learned this lesson too. Don't go unless you've talked to God about it. Because an open door, it's just an open door. And you have to decide whether it's the one you walk through or don't walk through. An open door is not God, church. Most people think an open door must be God. Even I fell for that one. Guy rings up, Jane has a job. Must be God. Wrong. It's an opportunity. It's an open door. You have to know whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Amen? So when God directs our leaving, we can go back in confidence. Number three, when you go back, you can get back. When you go back, you can get back. At least some of what you lost. And here's the goodness of God that I've seen in our lives. Even when I've made mistakes, and trust me, I've made plenty. When we leave from doing our own things and we handle things wrongly if our heart is to repent before God and we can come back to him the goodness of God is that God will restore because it's his nature to restore somebody say amen this morning and so we've seen this in our own lives and we're believing it for our children that these are our days of homecoming our days of restoration where God will pour out his spirit on our land. And if we want to partner with him, we can be part of God's great ingathering in Whangarei. So what happened with the prodigal son? Is that in Luke 15, the prodigal son thought he could leave without losing anything, right? But he lost the father's love. He lost the father's goodness. He lost the protection of his father's house. He lost the abundance of the farm's harvest. He didn't even think or consider what he would lose. He thought the money would more than compensate and make up for what he lost or left behind in the father's house. He even thought there was a substitute for the father's house. You know, it may take a while, church. But eventually what we think is great, what we think is better for us, what we think is so appealing, eventually we discover all that glitters isn't gold, right? And we get the full reality, like the prodigal son did. He got the full reality of the situation. And he comes to his senses and says, I need to go home. And he had the courage to go home because he thought, if I just go home and ask to be a servant in my father's house, that'll be enough because I'll get bread on the table and, and I'll have a, a warm bed to sleep in. I'm not going to be sleeping with the pigs. And there are people in your community that like that just say, if I could just get through the door, maybe I might get an ounce of what I used to have. Just an ounce, just some covering, just some protection. Just a bit of bread. But how many people know the father had way more in store for the son than just a bit of bread and a bit of protection? He sees his son coming and he runs to him and he embraces him well beyond the gate. And there's a good reason for that. Why? Because historians and scholars will tell us that there was a crowd of people that wanted to stone that young man. 
for what he'd done to dishonor his father. And so when he ran out to him, it was once again to embody that protection. Because there's a lot of judgment that unfortunately can reside in the house of God. And we have to cut it out right now. We've got to stop being judgmental because we need to welcome these people back and it doesn't matter what they've done and it doesn't matter how messed up they are and it doesn't matter that they're crying out for God. If we become the house of judgment, they will never stay. Come on, church. Don't say I'm not scratching where you're itching right now. Because you want to have your position that justifies your situation. Because it's nice to justify your opinion. To be able to say, yeah, well, that's what happens when you leave. I know you wouldn't say that to me. But you think it in your heart. Because you're a Christian, right? Now we've got to cut that out. The Father showed us how to treat people. We've got to run to them and embrace them. And he goes over the top, get him a robe, get him a ring, get him a sandals. Get him a sandals, that's not right English, is it? I'm from Rotorua, you know. Don't have that problem in Whangarei, do you? The father reinstated literally everything that he lost. Maybe not his inheritance, he'd spent that. But he gave him his identity back. He gave him his significance back. He gave him his purpose back. Everything that a person wants that wants to come back to church, those are the things that they are aching for. They want to be significant. They want to know their identity in Christ. And they want to feel they've got a purpose. And we hold the key. Because we are the embellishment of the Father's love, right? Will you take it out the gate? they're not going to cross those doors. They're not even going to make it to the car park without you welcoming them back. But they want to come. They want to come. I love this. What about Samson? You know the story of Samson? Well, he left the principles that his parents had instilled on him. That he had a purpose in life. He wasn't to take strong drink and he wasn't to cut his hair because he was God's deliverer for Israel, right? And he was to live his life as that ambassador. But you know what? He left it, didn't he? And he started living a loose life. He fell into prostitutes and all kinds of wild living. And eventually, one of those people cut his hair off. And he lost more than his hair, didn't he? He lost his strength. He lost what we'd call his anointing. And he's in prison with his vision out, his eyes out, no vision in his life, no strength in his life. But in prison, his hair grew back. Right? But you know he didn't get his strength back because his hair grew back? He got his strength back when he repented. When he repented and he was in the situation where he was grinding on the, the wheat wheel and he's saying to God, I need to, I need to do what I was called to do. I need to destroy these lords of the Philistines. God, would you give me one more opportunity to take them out? And they were going to make fun of him one day and they put him between two pillars and they were going to mock him and make a spectacle. And he's crying out to God and say, God, give me my anointing back one more time so that I might take out these vile enemies of Israel, my calling, my purpose in life. And God restored his anointing. He lost something when he left. When he came back to God in repentance, he got his strength. He got his purpose back. That's a great story, isn't it? You know, the devil will deceive you that you can, or will certainly deceive your children, that you can leave and not lose. Oh, the prodigal son, he had a great time for a while. For a while. And that's often the trouble is that our young people, they leave and they're having a great time for a while. Remember that, for a while. And then it dawns on them what they've lost and where they are. And they find themselves in the pig pen of life. And they have that moment of revelation. I, I would dearly love to go back, but they won't have me. I said some things. I did some things. Uh, when I exited, I, 
I burnt the youth pastor's car or something. I, <laughs> I, I keyed it. Oh, gosh, my kids did that. Um, you know, they've done something, right? And so there's all this obstacle to... Sorry, Mitch, I didn't... Yeah. What about David? King David, mighty King David. Surely he didn't leave something. Well, there was a story where David was trying to get the Ark of the Covenant back from Philistines. And he tried putting it on a cart. And if you know the story in Samuel, I think the references are up on the screen, or can get them up on the screen for you. <coughs> the cart tips, and a man named Uzzah puts out his hand to steady the ark, and no one could touch the ark but the priests, right? He dies. And so they leave, David leaves the ark in the house of a man called Obed-Edom. I love the story. And David, he's depressed, he's downcast, goes back to Jerusalem, leaves it behind. Mission fail, like Apollo 13, you know, just complete fail. And one day, in his depression, in his downcast state, he gets a report. The house of Obed-Eden is prospering. It is because of the Ark of the Covenant. And he goes, inquire how I can get it back. And David finds it has to be carried on the shoulders of priests. It has to be brought in with music and worship. There has to be a celebration that precedes the ark of God's presence. There has to be a people rejoicing that bring in the ark. And he goes, oh, I didn't know I had to do it this way. And so he rallies all his priests and his musicians and singers, and they go back to the house of Obed-Edom, and he brings back the ark of the covenant. And you know the story. He brings it in Jerusalem. He strips down to his underwear, and he dances, and he what is the word? Uh, clamorously foolish before the nation, rejoicing as he brings the Ark of the Covenant back. See, when he went back, he got back what he lost. Do you know in the time that he was depressed, he never wrote a psalm, never sang songs. He lost his song. He lost his gift. He lost what we know him as famous for because he left something. The great news is he went back and he got it. How many of us have lost something in God? Maybe you've lost your song this morning. Maybe you've lost your joy this morning. Maybe there's been something that's happened in your life. But I want to tell you this morning, the music in your life, you don't have to lose it. The dance in your life, you don't have to lose it. You can go back and you can get back. If you would have a change in your heart to say, you know what, I, I was a lot younger then. Well, so what? So was I. I decided this year I'm going to get back what I lost. It's not an age thing. It's not a stage thing. It's all about a passion to have what we have in God and say, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to go back to where I was. I'm going to go back to the fire that used to reign within me. I'm going to go back to passion for, for the lost. I'm going to go back to what God called me to do. I'm going to find my identity in Christ. I'm going to find my purpose. Is that you this morning? Maybe the musicians could come this morning as I wrap up today because this is your homecoming season. I'm going to pray for a few people this morning. It's a, a desire of mine to, to just to see you come back to a place where you're on fire for Jesus again. I know this has been a faithful church. I know you've walked through the fire and through the sea. You come out the other side. but You don't go through the fire and you don't go through the sea without it tainting you. Are you right, church? But it says that when Shadrach... Meshach and Abednego went through the flames. They came out without the taint or the smell of smoke. That's miraculous, right? Normal thing when you go through fire is you've got the smell of smoke on you. I can't even light a barbecue sometimes without the smell of smoke on me. And the singe on my hair is when it goes, Woof. oh, look at that. Woo. The smell of smoke. The smell of burnt hair, singed hair. You know that smell? You can't be in the fire sometimes and go through fire like that without it tainting you, knocking something off you, taking the joy off you. 
giving you a singe or two? Am I speaking to you this morning, church? Because if that's you, I want to call you back into homecoming. I want to call you back to a place of your joy where you get your song back, where you get your dance back, where you get, you know, what flows in God out of your life back again. You know, there's probably people here you haven't operated in the gifts of the Spirit for a long time. You go, oh, when I was younger, I used to do that. I used to, I used to prophesy. I haven't done that for a long time. I haven't had a word of knowledge for 20 years. Is that how it should be? No. See, all of these things are for us to reach people with. Somewhere along the way, we got confused and thought that the gifts were for in the church. Sometimes they are. But I firmly believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are meant to be in our community. Are meant to be in your workplace. When God gives you a word of knowledge for someone that you work with, when you bump into someone and the Spirit of God says, would you just say that to them? Because I love them. That is a word of grace for them. Come on, church, are you with me? Would you stand to your feet this morning? You know, it says in Revelation 2, 4 and 5. And this is a great challenge for me. And I think it will be for every believer as we, as we embark into these times. But God says to His church, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. That you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. And then it says, and do the first things. We'll do those former things again. Do what you used to do when you were first saved. Just go and do it. Just go and share the love of Jesus with somebody. Just get excited about there being sunshine in the sky instead of, you know, the depression that can fill your life sometime. Just give Him thanks for the simple things in life. Get back to your first love. Repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and I will remove or you will lose your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I can't afford to lose my lampstand, church. Because my lampstand is my direction. It's the light that guides me as I'm walking this life. I can't, I can't be visionless. I can't be like Samson with no vision. He lost his vision because he left what he was meant to do. We can't be visionless in this hour. We've got to have our first love back. The great news is that when you come back to God, you can get back. When you come back, you can get back. Isn't that wonderful? And I'm believing this morning. Firstly, if you're not right with the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, and maybe today you've actually walked in the doors here knowing that Jesus is far from your heart where He should be. And today you want to recommit your life to Him. And if I could have every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to start at this point, just make this opportunity available. That if you need to get right with Jesus this morning, and it doesn't mean you've walked away from church either, but you know you're not right with Him and you need to put Him on the throne of your heart. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if that's you this morning, just raise your hand for me this morning. And let me know. Thank you down the back this morning. Thank you. Yes, over here. Thank you. Right here. Thank you. Thank you. In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to come forward with all the other people who are going to come forward. When you come forward today, you invite Jesus back into your heart as Lord and Savior. And you begin to do those first things again. Secondly, I want to pray this morning for people who have sons and daughters who are not currently following Jesus. And they're not connected to a local church. They are our homecomers, church. Your sons and daughters. Then in this morning, I would love you to come forward and lead a prayer over you this morning for your own sons and daughters. Thirdly, today, if you feel like you've lost your fire or you've lost your passion, or if you've lost your direction, you want to come back and get back, then you're a homecomer here this morning and I want you to respond. And fourthly today, if you actually know someone who's left this church, disconnected from this church, and they're out of sorts with God and out of sorts with the church, and you do want to see them come back, then I want you to come this morning because I want to pray over you that you would be God's welcome man, that you'd have the courage to go. And not necessarily is it your mission to reach them, but when you see them, you'll know this is your moment to share the love of Jesus with them. So we're gonna sing the song Waymaker this morning.
because we serve a miracle working God. He can make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. He can make doors open where the doors seem closed. And this morning, if any one of those situations resonates with you, then would you just come forward and line the altar this morning as we believe God's gonna do something powerful in bringing a homecoming to Renew Church this morning because we're gonna let something loose this morning and I believe we're gonna open a door and open the windows of heaven over this church so that there is a welcome that goes out from you as the people of God to draw people back to Himself, that there will be souls and reconnect commitments and people coming back on fire for Jesus. Come right forward, people, so people can come in behind you this morning. Just line the front here. Come right forward and allow people to respond this morning because I think God's about to do something powerful in our lives today. Let's sing. If God's prompting you this morning, just come out of your seat. Guys, come right forward down the front. There are people in the aisles trying to, trying to move in here. That's great. Thank you so much. Come right across the front. Line up across the front here. Allow people to come in. God wants to do something powerful this morning. You are here. You are here. Moving in our midst. You want to come this morning? Just hop out of your seat and come forward. Is within my reach Close enough for you to see 